some advice from the Oxford University Counselling Service to 2020 finalists. Let's start by acknowledging the obvious. This is not how your final term at university was supposed to be. It was never going to be easy, but pre-coronavirus, at least you had a pretty clear idea what to expect. Exams would be challenging, but you had some idea how you would approach the challenge. You looked forward to being amongst peers with the structure of college life and the supportive presence of tutors in an atmosphere lightened by eights week and summer balls. You had things to look forward to post-finals. Time with friends, enjoying the sunshine of an Oxford summer term, punting on the charwell, cementing relationships before the end-of-term goodbyes. You may also have had plans post-finals, traveling, searching for a job, graduation. Now these plans have toppled like dominoes, and it may be some time before you or any of us know what will emerge in their place. What you do now know is how finals will work in this new coronavirus world, or at least the basics of how they will work. You may or may not feel ready for this knowledge. Weeks of lockdown have disrupted almost every aspect of life, perhaps leaving you stressed, dazed, and disoriented. You may have struggled to imagine that finals would happen at all. Now that it's game on, you face the challenge of regaining your focus and preparing yourself. You may be wondering, how is this supposed to work? Is this even possible? For some, it may not be possible, and that's okay. It's important to be honest with yourself about what you can manage now and to select the option that feels like the most compassionate and enlightened response to your own circumstances. The option not to sit finals, but instead to take the deemed-to-deserve-honors degree, has been created for good reason and might be the right way forward for you. And of course, the option to defer finals to next year remains open to those who want to sit them, but whose personal circumstances make this impossible. To many of you, though, sitting finals on the original timetable still feels right. The remainder of this podcast is intended for you. It offers what we hope will be some helpful suggestions to cope with three of the challenges you might be facing. Dispelling the mental fog, planning and executing the academic work, and keeping your anxiety level under control. So, how can you dispel the fog and prepare yourself to engage? First, make sure your whole self is on board with the process. If any part of you is feeling too angry, too sad, or too scared to get on board, it's important to let yourself express these feelings by talking to someone writing in a journal, or even just making a list. Let it out. Then indulge in a bit of daydreaming about how you're going to make it up to yourself when this is over. If you've lost any sense of time during the period of lockdown, it's time to reclaim it. These days, many of us are finding ourselves adrift in time. Every day feels the same. There's little difference between weekdays and weekends, just a never-ending stream of now, Without a sense of time, the future and your exams may not seem very real. Orient to time by taking a hard look at a calendar. Mark in key dates and add up the total amount of time you have between now and finals. Add it up in weeks and also in days. Putting an actual physical calendar in a place where it's always visible can help to maintain this sense of time. 
If you don't yet have a healthy routine, establish one. This isn't just to ensure that things get done. It's much more important than that. It's to create a sense of order, rhythm, and predictability, and to show that there is someone wise and benign in charge, namely you. It's also a good way to remind yourself that even in this unpredictable coronavirus world, you have some agency and you can take some control. Pay particular attention to how you start each day. Get up at a reasonable time. Make your bed so you're less tempted to get back into it. Shower. Put on real clothes. Remind yourself of your intentions for the day and why they're important to you. Get regular exercise. Think about your relationship to your digital devices, phones and laptops, and make sure they're supporting you in achieving your objectives, not making things harder. If your screen time has massively increased during lockdown, you may need to reverse this consciously and deliberately so that screen time does not lead to increased anxiety, disrupted concentration, and long stretches of lost time. Simple strategies, like leaving your phone in a different room and turning off notifications, can help. But if particular sites create problems for you, you might want to consider blocking your access to these sites at key times of day, for example, when you're working or when you want to wind down before bed. Eat sensibly and well. Take full advantage of the fact that for the first time in ages you can actually get enough sleep. This is a gift. Don't squander it. Go to bed and get up at regular times. Download Flux or the equivalent to limit sleep-annihilating blue light exposure. Ensure that you have some relaxed downtime between stopping work and going to bed. Bear in mind, though, that there is such a thing as too much sleep. If you're spending more than 10 hours in bed, chances are you're using sleep as a means of avoidance rather than to energize and rejuvenate. It's time to reclaim sleep for positive purposes. Finally, make sure that your routine includes time for social connection. Social connection is not frivolous. It's essential. Even the most introverted among us need some experience of social connectedness to feel safe and well. Connection to academic peers may also be very valuable, so if you have let these drift, this would be a good time to re-establish them. Let's move on now to the subject of actually doing the work. A lot of students are feeling concerned about whether they have the brain power for revision. Please try not to worry if you've accomplished little or nothing during the initial weeks of lockdown. Given the huge cognitive and emotional load you've been carrying as part of navigating the last few weeks, this isn't surprising. This isn't a predictor either of how things will be in the weeks to come. It's just a measure of the magnitude of the adjustment you've had to make. We know from the experience of people whose professional lives involve going to live and work in isolated, confined, and extreme settings, people like astronauts, polar scientists, and oil rig workers, that it generally takes a couple of weeks to acclimatize. Simply being aware of this can help you to be more patient with yourself, as you do. Having said that, you probably shouldn't assume you'll be able to work as much or as well as you did in normal, by which I mean pre-coronavirus times, at least not to begin with. Even when the adjustment period is complete, it will require some psychic effort 
just to be okay and to get through the day, and this is likely to have an effect on your energy level, concentration, and attention span. Don't berate yourself for this, and don't worry about it. Show some compassion and acceptance, and just resolve to work as effectively as you can within your capacities. Remember, everyone is in the same boat. Of course, the nature of the revision task has changed. Some or all of your exams may have been replaced by something else. At a minimum, they will have changed to open book format. Take plenty of time to understand what is now expected of you and what this implies for your revision strategy. If you will be taking open book exams, please be sure to read the university's guidance on how these will work and the accompanying advice on how to prepare. Once you know what's expected, you're ready to do detailed revision planning. It's important to be honest with yourself about what there is to do and also about how much time you have to do it. Make the revision plan that will get the most value from whatever time you have. If you had a pre-coronavirus revision plan, you may need to scrap it and start again. This is a much better idea than staying committed to a plan that now feels wildly unrealistic. Make a clear plan in which you allocate blocks of time to specific topics and tasks. You may want to listen to the other Counseling Service podcasts on exam revision for some more detailed advice about this. In this coronavirus context, you may need to think seriously about how you will get to the right mental place to do productive academic work. In ordinary life, we have lots of help getting to the right mental place for work. For example, we have library and other spaces dedicated to work, we have academic routines that support work, and we're surrounded by other people who are working. None of that automatically applies now. As a result, you may need to explore some other ways to get yourself into a work mindset. For example, create the best possible workspace for yourself. If you can, ensure that it's dedicated exclusively to work. Going to a particular designated physical space helps us to navigate to the right mental space. It may be helpful to establish rituals to transition into work. You could start your working day by going for a walk or a run to replicate the experience of a commute. If you don't want to use up your daily exercise entitlement in this way, identify an alternative mental traveling-to-work ritual. For example, you could lie on the floor and visualize your walking route to your favorite library and imagine yourself sitting down at your preferred desk. If you do not have a silent environment in which to work, Create a soundscape that stops you getting distracted by other noises while supporting your work mindset, whether it's a coffeehouse soundscape, unintrusive music, or the Bodleian's recently released Sounds of the Rad Cam. Whatever you listen to, make a point of only listening to it when studying so that you create a Pavlovian association between the soundscape and study. If the presence of others is helpful to you, Negotiate with a friend to work together online, giving you a companionable presence, along with a dose of accountability. Whenever you sit down to work, strive for flow. That state of absorption in what you're doing that's so complete you lose all sense of time 
and those voices that can sometimes be overactive, questioning what you're doing, criticizing you for not doing it better, or suggesting that you do something else, are finally, miraculously, silent. There are substantial books about achieving flow, but remember the fundamentals. A clearly defined task that is stretching but achievable. Zero distractions, and that means no phone in sight. And total immersion for long enough to really achieve something. Finally, be sure to run your own race. You may have friends who claim to be putting in 8-10 to hour workdays, and others who are doing nothing at all. Ignore them all and work at a level that feels realistic and sustainable for you. I'll turn now to our final topic, managing your anxiety level. With so much anxiety in the air generally, you may need to manage your anxiety level especially thoughtfully and proactively now. To begin with, dial down any controllable sources of anxiety. For example, your exposure to coronavirus and other news, and your interactions with those whose anxiety is all too contagious. Don't allow others to make you anxious, and ensure that you don't infect them with your anxiety either. Remember that anxiety is not just a mental phenomenon, but is profoundly physical. Engage in mind-body practices to reduce anxiety and keep it down. In addition to getting regular physical exercise, consider committing to a regular daily practice of yoga, deep breathing, or meditation. These practices are a great investment in keeping yourself calm and grounded. If you do nothing else physical, at least pay attention to how you breathe. In a state of anxiety, you might take up to 20 breaths per minute. Gradually slowing your breathing to around 5 breaths per minute will return you to a more relaxed and regulated state. You may find an app like Breathing Zone is helpful for this, or Google Square Breathing to learn this simple but powerful breathing technique. Finally, bear in mind that in any crisis or emergency, you may be very susceptible to seeing only the negative in your situation, and not the positive. This selective attention to negative information, or negativity bias, is a product of the neurophysiology of stress response, which has evolved to keep you on your toes in the presence of a threat. To maintain a balanced outlook, and to avoid becoming over-anxious, you may need to correct for this negativity bias consciously and deliberately. For example, by noticing anything good that happens, anyone who is kind or helpful by remembering all that you have to be grateful for and noticing everything that brings you pleasure, small or large. Anytime you start to catastrophize, remind yourself that you're in a safe place with your basic needs met. There are lots of ways for things to turn out right. Although there are many things you can't control, there are also things you can control. Resolve to control the daylights out of those. And a parting thought? You've put years of your life and lots of yourself into this degree. Most of the hard work is already behind you. Now you're just weeks away from the finish line. We hope that you'll feel able to approach the home straight in a positive frame of mind and with a determination to honor yourself simply by doing the best that you can. 
If you need more help working out how to address any of the specific challenges associated with finals, please don't hesitate to reach out for help, whether to tutors, to peers, to the Disability Advisory Service, or to the Counseling Service. This isn't how you or anyone else expected finals to be, but they can still be a manageable and maybe even a positive experience, and you can still put in an effort to be proud of. Good luck to you, and thanks for listening.